this is Fresno Madeira Medical Society's Central Valley Podcast. My name is Nicole Butler, and I am here with Dr. Patrick Golden, internal med and preventative cardiologist doctor. And we are going to talk about new screen guidelines for colon cancer, something everybody wants to talk about on a daily basis, right? Um, welcome, doctor. Well, thank you, Nicole, and thank you for the opportunity. So I actually have a lot of questions in this area. Um, as I do with a lot of these podcasts, I typically go back to myself everywhere. So it's, it's kind of good to, to hear about them. So I, you know, one of the questions I had for you is recently I did hear that the American Cancer Society um, changed the, the average age of colon screenings from 45 um, from the age of 50. And is that true? Yes, that's, that's true. That's a very recent recommendation that came from the American Cancer Society. The, there's logical reasoning behind that recommendation because it, the research has shown that between 1994 and 2004, there's been a 51% increase in the occurrence of cancer in the ages under age 50. And at the same time, there's been an 11% increase in mortality due to colon cancer in um, that was noticed in patients in that younger age group between the years 2005 and 2015. Therefore, American Cancer Society decided that we should screen earlier. Okay, so 45 is young because I'm around that age and I, I always think of myself as still being fairly young. So when I heard that, I was like, wow, you know, I haven't had one yet. So is it everybody should be getting this screening at that age or is it somebody that's had a family history or risk or it, it's just now they just want you, it's going to be like getting um, a mammogram, mammogram for a woman. It's something when you hit a certain age, you're going to get this on a yearly basis? Uh, well, it, uh, it should be everybody. It, it doesn't have to be somebody with a family history. Now, if a person has a family history or are at high risk for other reasons, they definitely need to get screened. The difference uh, that, that occurs now, we have more techniques for screening. So a colonoscopy is not always required as the only method for screening. Okay, well, that's that's encouraging. <laughs> Can you talk about some of the, the types of screenings that are available? And, you know, what would your average, you know, 45-year-old um, type of screening be versus your 55 or 60-year-old screening be? Well, there, there are basically six screening options that are readily available. One is called a fecal immunochemical test, which is basically a smear. Usually your physician will take a stool smear at the time of a person's annual physical exam. Um, there's also another stool smear test called a guaiac test, high-sensitivity high guaiac the immunochemical test is a little bit better in that there aren't false positives if blood is found. In other words, with the guaiac test, somebody might have eaten red meat the night before and it could react positively, whereas with the immunochemical test, it would only react if the blood that was found was human blood. Um, another test available, which would be the third, is the stool DNA test. Now, that one can be done every three years as currently recommended. 
Also, there is an imaging exam called CT colography. And then, of course, there's flexible sigmoidoscopy, which can be performed every five years, or colonoscopy every 10 years. Now, the, the difference between flexible sigmoidoscopy and colonoscopy is the flexible sigmoidoscope does not travel the entire length of the colon, so it only goes up so far, whereas a, a full colonoscopy allows the physician to visualize the entire colon. So currently, what we do with lower-risk patients in my practice is we try to do one of the fecal tests every year, usually the immunochemical test, and then I generally have a person get a baseline colonoscopy, and then we're now able to start opting for the stool DNA test every three years with another colonoscopy 10 years after the first. Okay, so, you know, your average 45-year-old is going to come into their doctor. Is this something that the doctor is automatically going to test somebody for based on these guidelines, or is it something that you should be requesting from your doctor? Well, I, I think one should always be proactive. Uh, sometimes when you come in to see the doctor, the doctor may want to focus on another issue, but the, these are very important screening tests that shouldn't be overlooked. So I would advise anybody to be sure and feel comfortable about speaking with their physician about the screening. So, you know, you said they changed these guidelines because there had been an increase of, um, of diagnosis and then mortality. Why do you think that, the, that this cancer has grown over the... Um, I'm not sure that I can give you an answer to that. Um, the, the reason they changed the guidelines is based on statistical analysis of, of data. I'm, I'm not completely sure why there's a higher incidence. I'd, I'd like to reverse that question a little bit, if I may. If you look at the patients who are 55 years old or older, there actually is a decline in the mortality rate among that group, presumably because they've had screening. Okay. So it's sort of a backwards way of answering your okay. question. No, but that makes, that makes more sense, too. So it, it could easily be said that there's a purpose for this younger um, age to be tested, and the tests aren't as, you know, because when I hear, you know, colon, can or colon screening, I automatically revert to a colonoscopy, which is fairly invasive, correct? Yes, yes, it okay. is. And, and you still can't throw them out the window, but mm -hmm. you don't probably have to have them as often unless you're a high-risk patient. Okay, okay. So uh, at what age does, so at, between the 45, 55, you're saying that you can do the, the fecal testing, and then as you get older, the flexible um, I'm not going to, I don't remember the word that you were talking about. It's flexible about. sigmoidoscopy, but, but see, it, it, what I'm not, I don't want to confuse people. Even at age 45, colonoscopy is definitely an option, and probably okay. everybody should get a baseline, baseline. full okay. colonoscopy. It's just for the interval testing, you don't have to have a full colonoscopy every time now. I see. 
Okay. So, so when you have this testing, you're, you're looking for, uh, what do you exactly look at? Blood in the stool. Is there something else from that they would be concerned about or that? Well, the, the fecal DNA test, which is becoming more and more popular, that actually is able to detect DNA that's coming from colon cancer or precancerous polyps. So uh, if, if, if a fecal DNA test were to come back positive, that would trigger a colonoscopy. I see. Okay. I should also clarify, even with the fecal um, uh, blood tests, uh, such as the guaiac or the immunochemical, if either of those tests comes back positive for blood, a colonoscopy is indicated. Okay. Okay. Um, so you're saying with this, this stool DNA test, they're actually able to pull precancerous DNA cells out of it to do, so you may not have cancer at that point but you may be susceptible or y- yes okay yes if you have if there are can- colon cancer um, DNA either in a colon cancer that might be present or in a polyp that's pre a precancerous polyp uh, that should come out positive on the fecal DNA test that's fascinating things that they can do with testing these days that makes it a, you know a little bit easier than going right for the the more invasive testing you can pre-test and then you know even though if you do have a baseline um so colonoscopies now you're recommending for baseline and then every 10 years if you don't have any issues and testing in between that's correct okay yeah well that sounds a lot a now lot that's <laughs> for low risk patients mm-hmm. if we look at high risk patients they're in a little bit different category they may not be able to substitute some of the other screening. Um, that patient may be required to have a full colonoscopy whenever indicated and suggested by the specialist. So, and I'm assuming what would classify somebody as a high-risk family history or having positive tests in the past or a colonoscopy where they've had to remove polyps in the past. Yes, okay. all, all of those in patients with inflammatory bowel disease, such as Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis, are at high risk. But you are correct. All, all of the family history of first-degree relatives that have had colon cancer and even a personal history of colon cancer previously put you at high risk. There, there are, There's another condition called familial adenomatous polyposis, where a person has a whole bunch of polyps scattered throughout their colon, they also are at risk for, at high risk for colon cancer. Okay. But but not necessarily polyps that have to be removed? Well, I'm not sure about that. That's, that's a very... Um, an, a very rare type of individual that has such a condition, okay. that person might even have to have a more robust surgery than simple removal of lots and lots of polyps. Okay. Um, let's talk about, you know, the, the colonoscopy because I, I mean, I've only, I haven't had one, so I'm not very familiar with how, how they work, but my understanding that, that it's more, a little bit more invasive. You're, are you awake during a colonoscopy or are you um, I had my second one 
uh, just a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, the specialist who performed my procedure had me take the Golightly, which is a liquid that cleanses the colon. It's a little bit burdensome to drink it because it doesn't taste really good. Plus, you have to drink an entire gallon of it the evening and night before your exam. When I arrived at the hospital, which is where the colonoscopy was performed, an IV was started, and then um, I was sedated and given medication to make me drowsy. I, I did completely go to sleep, but you're not under general anesthesia. Okay. You're sleepy, and you might even be snoring or whatever, but you don't require being intubated as if you were having a major surgical procedure. And um, in my case, anyway, I woke up fine, just hungry. Yeah, because you hadn't eaten. Right. You think with they, they can do these, these DNA tests these days, they could make the things that you have to drink taste a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. So um, we talked about the the younger age for the screenings. Now, what about an older individual? You know, the, is there a cutoff age where you stop doing these You know, these that, that, that is a great question. And in a practice like mine, where I tend to have a senior citizen population, this issue comes up frequently. And I'll have somebody that turns, say, 76 years old, and their last colonoscopy was when they were 66. Then the question is, Doctor, do I need another one? So most of the time, it's recommended that one can discontinue screening at age 75, but you can use other criteria to determine whether or not that's uh, reasonable. And one of them has to do with the patient's overall health status. If I have a 75, 76-year-old, that I think is going to live well into their 90s, I'll probably screen them again. Or patient preference. Some patients have had screening on a regular basis all these years, and they don't feel like just because I'm 75, I don't need to be screened. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing wrong with screening that person. Um, But really, you base it on life expectancy, patient's overall health status, and patient preference. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. So we talk about, um, you know, that family history. Are there other, what are some of the other high risk, who are others that are high risk for colon cancer? Well, um, for the most part, it's the family history, either a personal family history or a family uh, history or a personal history of precancerous polyps. Those are the major ones. And then the inflammatory bowel disease. Okay. And what are some, you know, say that somebody hasn't been screened or doesn't have a baseline, but they think there's something wrong. What are some of the the symptoms of having issues that they definitely should have checked out or even under the age of 45? Yeah, very important to ask because the symptoms of colon cancer are quite variable. So any, any type of a gastrointestinal symptom can possibly be related to colon cancer, such as any change in bowel pattern, either new diarrhea, new chronic constipation, any type of rectal bleeding, either bright red blood or just tinges of blood in the stool should be reported to the physician. 
abdominal bloating, abdominal cramping, or discomfort should be reported. Also, if a person ever has the sensation that after a bowel movement, their bowel did not empty completely, that's a very important symptom to bring to your doctor's office. Also, if a person's stool caliber all of a sudden becomes thin because some of some colon cancers grow circumferentially around the wall of the bowel and the stool that passes through is thinner and thinner. So if you have thin caliber stools, it should report it. Of course, a usual cancer symptom such as unexplained weight loss, loss of appetite, nausea and vomiting that's unexplained. If a person develops jaundice, if their skin or their the white portion of their eyes turns yellow, that's a potential sign of colon cancer, although it can certainly mean other things, and generalized weakness and fatigue. Now, one thing that's important, which again gets us back to the whole idea of screening, most colon cancer, if caught early, which is the goal, has no symptoms. That's why we screen. By the time a person has developed any of the symptoms that we just reviewed, their cancer is probably already at least a stage two. Okay. And, and so that's what, with any type of, of screenings is early detection is key. And, yes. and I, I, I don't know a lot about colon cancer. Earlier stages are most treatable, but if you're hitting a later stage, does it just become harder to treat or is it more, you know, it, impossible it, to treat? I don't believe it's ever impossible, but it becomes more difficult and may involve more treatment modalities. Um, you know, I think the one thing that most people are nervous about when it comes to colon cancer is having to have a colostomy bag as a result of surgery for the cancer. And, and is that typical in a, in a later stage, uh, yes. a degree of cancer? Okay. Yes, that would be more typical in a later stage. Once again, emphasizing screening based on age, not symptoms. Perfect. Yeah. And that's, that's, I think that's becoming, well, I think that with breast cancer, I think they're going the opposite direction, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but, um, but that makes sense. So anybody before the age or at the age of 45 and over should be screened. Are there, um, certain lifestyles, um, risks that, that could contribute to it or that you should watch for? Right. We, we talk about life, about lifestyle habits, behaviors that can lead to the development of colon cancer. And at the top of the list is always a diet that is too heavy in red meats or processed meats. So those foods should be consumed in moderation. Also, an inactive lifestyle is associated with colon cancer. Cigarette smoking is a risk factor as well. Heavy alcohol drinking can also lead to colon cancer. There is an association with type 2 diabetes. And very important that people who are obese have, have many increased cancer risks, including colon cancer. You just have to be, eat healthy and be healthy, and that'll help. So what would you recommend somebody that... Um, 
I'm assuming this is something that your primary care physician can order for you if they are requesting a colonoscopy or one of these tests. Yes, the primary care physician can arrange those. Your primary care physician will have relationships with various specialists throughout the Central Valley that are able to perform the tests. Um, in, in my office, we're starting to order more of the ColoGuard tests now that the fecal DNA testing is available. And um, my office staff has to help the patient fill out a form so that insurance coverage um, will be available. Uh, incidentally, that uh, fecal DNA test is even covered by Medicare. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's good. And I, and I would think that they would want those types of tests that one or I, I would assume would cost less than having a colonoscopy um, and could prevent in the years in between you would have them. So I, I would think they would encourage it. Ye yes. And um, that's my intention now that we have these guidelines and new screening modalities that are available. So is there anything else that you would recommend for someone, you know, besides just get tested, get tested, get tested um, about that, that 45 age or, you know, look for the symptoms, but don't be proactive about, you know, be more proactive about your health and don't wait for the symptoms to arise. I, I think that's the key because again, uh, let's say you're 45 and you decide to go see your primary care physician because of a sinus infection. Um, Sometimes the, the doctor's busy and may not think to look at what sort of screening tests you've had. So don't be afraid to mention, um, hey, doctor, um, I'm 45 now and I haven't had my colonoscopy. Yeah. And it, it just takes mentioning it to get it ordered. Okay. And that's just, you know, if they, if they forget if you're there for, you know, a flu shot <laughs> or something. Wow. Okay. I guess I got to make an appointment with my doctor then. Yeah. <laughs> Well, is there anything else that you want to add about the screening or about the tests? I, I don't think so. We'll, um, we'll, we'll keep an eye on things. Again, the 45-year recommendation came from the American Cancer Society. The, there's another government organization called the United States Preventative Service Task Force that recommends guidelines for screening for a variety of different health conditions, and they haven't changed that uh, age to from 50 to 45 yet. So we have to keep an eye out and see if that occurs as well. But for the most part, a 45-year-old, their insurance isn't going to fight the type of testing that you're wanting to do for a screening, correct? Um, I'm not 100% positive about that, but okay. I, I doubt it. Okay. Yeah. Just based on what the American based on cancer. the American Cancer Society's which is good recommendations. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you very much for the time. And if, if somebody wants to get a hold of you in your office, um, can you share where you're located and your telephone number? Yeah, we're at twelve seventy five East Spruce, which is uh, just north of St. Agnes Medical Center, and my office phone number is four three two zero seven one six. Thank you, doctor.